0: Good morning, everyone. This morning, we're going to be reading from Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Uh, this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of Genesis, uh, obviously. Uh, and and at the passage that Evie read for us uh, speaks really authoritatively around the human existence, uh, the existence of like... Uh, Of of humanity itself, like it's this plural word, let us make mankind, you know. Uh, Every time I hear that word mankind, I think of the movie Independence Day, just how authoritatively uh, that fake president says, mankind, mankind. But anyway, it's authoritative about what makes humans humans, our existence, uh, essentially who we are. I think it's a fascinating and important uh, reality that, that God put on the very first pages of the word to us who we actually are. Uh, I have a good friend here in the city. His name is Celestine Zinquo. He spent uh, over a decade pouring into and investing into uh, young people uh, at, in the at-risk community trying to disciple and mentor them. Uh, Now he's my good friend who coaches my daughter's club soccer team as well as Olivia's soccer team. Uh, He's a really great developer of people. But one of the things that he says uh, from his work is if you believe you're a criminal, you'll act like a criminal. And one of the things he he goes on to say is if you treat people like they're criminals, then they'll definitely act like criminals. I think what my friend Celestine is getting into is that... uh, What we believe about ourselves, uh, it transforms how we operate and how we live in this world. Uh, I can, you know, I was trying to remember the people who would have first heard these words and this reading of Genesis 1, if you'll remember, that's what we'll do throughout this series. The people in the desert, the former slaves, uh, the people uh, waiting for the manna and the water uh, each day depending on God, those people... I think about what they must have believed and why God is like, I need to explain to you again the origins of humanity itself. Uh, they were, you know, former slaves of Pharaoh. And throughout this story, they continually say, hey, let's go back to the bondage of Egypt. They, they say things like, after all, that's who we are, you know, we're, we're tomb and temple builders. At least back then, we were like dependent on Pharaoh, and that was much better than being dependent on God. I think what's fascinating about that is that you learn a lot about what you believe, about why you exist, by what you're willing to return to, Uh, what bondage you're saying, let's go back to that. You learn a lot about what you believe, about who you are through that. There's also this story of them, of the golden calf, that while while Moses is up on this mountain that's shaking and thunderous and filled with clouds and and God is riding uh, into stone, this is what I want for people. This is what I want for humanity and these people specifically. They were down the mountain gathering up stuff that they made uh, and that they'd stole from Egypt and they melted it down and they made a golden calf and they worshiped it knowing that they had made it up. Like, they they just made it, and then they're like, ah, now I'm going to worship it. And I think that that's fascinating. That tells us a lot. Um, Pay attention to what you think is God, because it will tell you what you think about your existence, that I was made to create idols and to worship things that aren't even valuable. It's pretty fascinating. I know that most people believe that uh, fame and fortune and status doesn't buy happiness and meaning. And yet, we all know that. We all know that. Millions of movies made each year that tell us that. And then we vote for them to win the Oscar, or the people in the industry. Some of you vote for them. And then we're like, yeah, see, there, that's it. They won the Oscar from the movie that says that that's not what all humanity is about. So pay attention to what you're willing to worship to because it tells you what you believe about who you are. Also, the people just regularly grumbled. Uh, It's this word of like, instead of meditating and kind of gnawing and chewing on the existence of God, they gnawed and they chewed repetitively these complaints about who God was. Grumbling, complaining constantly. So listen to the things that you complain about because it tells you why you think you exist that you were made to consume, to receive from other people, that you were entitled. It tells a lot about who you think that you actually are. Uh, They had lived in the arena of bondage and false worship so much that they had no idea where their story began. They had no idea uh, what they were made for, who they were made for, and so they settled for stories that start with bondage, and they built it up from there, just just like us, just like us. This passage talks about humanity. It's about humanity, which gets uh, a pretty uh, bad rap in our society, in our world, right? Like humanity is awful, right? Isn't that that's a common belief? I think if you did Family Feud, humanity is dot dot dot. Buzzer, top top respondents. <laughs> Anybody else? Like a child and, 20 years ago, yeah? (laughs) Buzzer, humanity is awful. Uh, People say, you know, if it weren't for humans, none of this would happen. When we mess up or when somebody else messes up, you say things like, well, they're only being human, or, you know, I was just being human, meaning that to be a human is to mess up. I think our disdain for humanity is probably why we treat human life so cheaply Uh, before birth and after birth super cheaply it's why we it's so easy to disregard humans and members of the human race by zip code or skin color or gender or a whole host of things because at the end we just say they're only human right and we humans are pretty terrible kind of like that do you mind is the door shut okay never mind (laughs) Extra worship. Oh, that's their worship time. We're moving too quickly through it. So we say, you know, humans pretty off. Humanity is pretty awful. However, in Genesis one, uh, God is emphatically reminding us of the origin of who we actually were created to be. He strips away all the bondage, all the sin, all the false stories, all the false narratives all the shame, all the disregard of humanity. And then he tells us this, that our story begins with and ends with God. It doesn't begin in bondage, it doesn't begin in, in slavery, it doesn't begin in false worship, it begins with God, the just, compassionate, merciful, loving, creative, and glorious God. That's who we encounter in the Bible. That's where your story begins. Uh, the, the scriptures are pretty compelling and pretty forthright that before the foundations of the world, your story started. That's where everybody's story begins. And that's the truest thing about the trajectory of your own life is that God created and names and forms and carries your entire existence. And so today we're going to go through this passage. Uh, we're going to go through it uh, kind of like, you know, somebody who's learning how to examine counterfeit bills, you know? We'll just like look at the true thing, and then maybe we'll be able to live and live with God, understanding all the false things. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today. The first uh, truth that is so important for us to all Understand is that you were intentionally made. You were intentionally made, uh, not out of the overflow of accidental sexual desires or random by chance combination of of uh, you know people, but you were intentionally made. The scripture says, "Let us make mankind." Let us, it's the first acknowledgement of this Trinitarian, communal, uh, self-giving, self-sacrificing love that is God. When it says, let us, Uh, humanity was created, uh, not accidentally, but intentionally by a God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Out of their overflowing of communal relationship and mutual love and affection for one another, they create both women and men. God creates community, both in the image of God, both distinct. Uh, It's humanity, plural. Humanity is brought into this incredible relationship with a God who is constantly uh, self-relating. And then, you know, neuroscience and biological science and all social sciences can point to us of this fact. They all tell us that we were made with the tremendous capacity For connection to one another. They all speak of that, like every, all of those sciences are like sort of reflecting back. Uh, Yeah, we were made with the immense ability to connect with one another. Why? Because we were made out of a tremendous capacity of connecting with God from a God who intentionally said, let us make humanity on purpose we are also made for God. It says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew doesn't want you to just kind of move on from that whole our image phase. He goes, after our likeness. Then it repeats it a few seconds later, a few phrases later. You know, So God created humanity, mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female. He created them. You were made for God and his image, uh, not in the uh, attempts to kind of build an image of, for other people. I mean, most of you go to work and you're there to make other people's images look better. Uh, or maybe you work for yourself. You know, I'm just building my own thing. You know, like the Israel's thought, I'm just a temple and a tomb builder. Uh, you think maybe I'm just in the service of masters. What they say, what they say I can do, that's, that's what I need to build myself up. Maybe you're really, you know, differentiated and you're like, huh, I don't need nobody. I'm just building my own thing. I've got 240 Instagram followers, and they all care what I did last night. I'm building my own brand, my own image. This is just a side hustle, this career I've got. But what the scriptures say is that you were made in the image of God You are made after his likeness. Both women and men, he created them in his image. There's a great part of Jesus' life when someone comes up to him to try to stump him, and they say, you know, who should we pay taxes to? Should we pay taxes to, to Caesar? Should we actually give to the emperor who's conquered us? Like, that doesn't seem right. And Jesus, you know, real clever, he's like, give me a coin. They hand him a coin, and they're like, who's... Whose image is on this? And they all go, well, Caesar's image. And then Jesus says, well, then give to Caesar what has Caesar's image on it. You're like, ooh, okay. But then he says the really important part. He says, but give to God what belongs to God. The thing that is impressed and embossed and like all about you, the the thing that is imprinted on you like a seal, uh, forever and for all time is that you are made in the image of God. And that's what Jesus is saying. If, like, if, if that's what's on the coin, what's on you is the very imprint of God himself. So render that to God. God crafts you in his image. He wants you. Uh, uh, God wanted to craft you in his image. And we often just kind of settle for, you know, crafting men and women's and in industries that aren't God at all. Who are you? You're the exact imprint, the embossment, the reflection of the character and the nature of God. You're also made with a purpose. You might remember Hemingway from last week where he's like, all life is meaningless. We just have to give meaning uh, to ourselves. And that's, that's how we gain meaning. This scripture is actually saying it's, it's, it's not really that at all. You were made with the purpose to have dominion, to cultivate, to be fruitful, uh, that that humanity was created with this power. Uh, Andy Crouch, he's a great thinker and writer, says that power is the ability to create and craft an environment. Uh, To be powerless is to have no ability to craft or create an environment. Women and men were made with the delegated power of God to craft and to create and to subdue and to cultivate. Another way of, this, of saying this is, let them make something of the earth. Let them make something. After all, you know, we are the image of God, this creative God. Uh, Eugene Peterson and the message says, uh, in the same, same section, it says, prosper, reproduce. Fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Listen, you are made to prosper, to take charge, to be responsible, to to cultivate and to create things. He gives us dominion of the world, and sometimes we just want to have dominion over him. It's a pretty ironic, sad twist within the soul. God says, you have dominion over the earth. Like I'm putting you to cultivate and to create something from it. And we say, no, I just want dominion over you. I know I'm skipping ahead a couple chapters, but that's what is the heart of it. Women and men were made in the image of God to cultivate and steward all things for the earth's thriving. Why? All the fruitfulness, all the reproduction, every animal we care for, every crop that we reap, every tree that we plant and pull fruit from, every child that we bring into this world, every city that we build, every product that is engineered is multiplying the praise and the temple and the adoration of God. That's how we were created that everything is ever expanding God's glory because we're made in his image and then we create and we cultivate. Why? Because it's who God is. That's how we were made. And as we do that, we just uh, keep adding glory and honor and worship to God. Which is why it's so tragic when we settle for like the opposite of let me craft and create and manipulate and use this power to control other things for the praise of me or for the praise of other people. He also says uh, that we were made for flourishing. We were made to thrive, to be recipients. You know, God, it says God's given you everything to eat, to flourish, to be fruitful. Uh, I think we miss this kind of a lot. You know, we, the other parts I've read, it get a lot of press. Uh, they're, they're cooler on mugs and things like that. But listen, uh, in verse 28, it says God blessed them pretty phenomenal that humanity was created. God's not, oh man, humanity is just humanity. They kind of stink. They're terrible. He says, no, he blessed them. And then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves. And then God says, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. And every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. To every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and so it was. Humanity was made and then given Blessing and everything required to flourish. Humanity wasn't created with scarcity. Where's the fruit going to come from? Where's the, the crop going to be? Everything. God says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to have domain. And it's all been given to you that you might thrive. <clears throat> Lastly, uh, we were made with delight. After all of this, once humanity was in the world, once both women and men are in the world, then God says, it is very good, very good, delight, joy, excitement in us in the world. Not us outside of the world, you know, like, if only, you know, we could build enough rocket ships and send us to Mars, the world would be good. God says, no, it's very good with humanity in it. I wonder what would happen within you if you awoke each morning knowing that you were made happily by God. That the same God who formed the universe, you know, who forms the Grand Canyon and all of the layers and all of the majesty and beauty or, or just the Pacific Ocean and the depths and the, the beauty and the coldness of it and the fish that you can see if you snorkel. And if you don't snorkel, you're missing out on worship because we were made to look at the fish of the sea or scuba. That's next level. That's the inner circle of the tabernacle <laughs> <coughs> that only the fistals go into. I wonder if you knew that the God who created all of that is looking at you and saying, here's the difference between all of that glory and you. You're made in the image of God, and you are very good. Uh, Psalm 139, uh, 13 through 17, that's a great psalm, I'm only gonna read part of it though. It says, for you created me, this is David talking to God, for you created my inmost being, like the depths of who I am. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He says, I praise you, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful. So if all the works that God's created are wonderful and he made you, you know, it follows. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God says, let us make humanity in our image, and it is very good to be the manifold display of the glory of God and how he deals with us and what he does with us. We were made with intention. Uh, We were made out of the overflow of the Trinitarian loving relationship. Uh, We were made for purpose. Uh, We were made for flourishing that God provides, and we're made to thrive together in community. And you're like, wow, right? That sounds good, right? Does that sound average to (laughs) y'all? Sounds good. Sounds really good. Like, that's not my daily life. (laughs) There's a reason humanity has a bad rap, because we see them, and we know them. I've been mistreated, you might say. For who I am, like, you know, I've been mistreated, overlooked. I was born into a chaotic family. It didn't feel like flourishing and thriving, and every tree and fruit handed to me. You know, you've struggled your whole life to find some sort of value, you know, and I've got a little bit of it from my work or a little bit from my family. So, like, what does this have to do with how I actually live? Like, I live in the real world, Brad, you might say where I have to make my own brand, or at least my own resume, just to survive. Where I have to build other people's empires and businesses and kingdoms. You might think, I definitely don't think I've been given everything I need to flourish and subdue the earth. You know, I barely have enough for a mortgage or barely enough emotional capacity to deal, right? It doesn't feel like you might say that the world is uh, is underneath my feet. In fact, it feels like the world is subduing and consuming me. <clears throat> and if that's you, uh, you're right. You're right. Uh, the world and humanity is a collection of broken pieces. Uh, I'll resist another Tupac quote, but just look that up. And our, our sense of identity and belonging and purpose and meaning, our ability to do the image of God, to like be that, is infinitely and cosmically broken and shattered. And so when you see humanity and you see yourself in the mirror and you're like, that's not right. That, that groaning within you is the same groaning God has. This is not why he made us. He didn't make us for violence. He didn't make us for destruction. He didn't make us for striving. Uh, in the book of Acts, uh, the apostle Paul uh, is, is kind of abandoned in the city of Athens. Uh, sounds kind of nice. I'd like to get abandoned in Athens sometime. Uh, But he he walks around and he's having all these conversations with philosophers. And and one of the great things about Greek philosophy is they were right in pointing out humanity is kind of a mess. And so he gets in front of everybody in Acts chapter 17. uh, And he addresses this pretty uh, accurately, I think. Uh, Acts 17, verse 22, uh, when he's in the Areopagus, he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for I passed along and observed objects of your worship. Pretty funny that they also didn't believe that they were real objects to worship, kind of like us. Anyway, I found an altar with an inscription that says, To the unknown God. And so he says, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, right? We talked about that last. He's made a temple for his own worship, and it's all things. But in verse 25, it says, nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he has made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. This is like, Ah Genesis 1, right? And he says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. It sounds like humanity. And then he says this, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own people have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And then in verse 29, he says, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like God or gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of man. It says, the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by man whom he has appointed. That's Jesus. And of this, he has given assurance to all By what? By raising Jesus from the dead. Pretty uh, powerful passage. Great sermon. He says, uh, just to summarize the last part, we were made for God. We're made to look and, and seek him. And God's actually not that far from us. Instead of uh, us trying to build some sort of stairway uh, to heaven, God's actually come into this world uh, that the gospel isn't about, because the Greeks thought if we could just build and and create a society close enough to to attain the divine, then all would be good. The, The Christian story, the gospel, is that God descends into this earth, that Jesus comes into this world, that he might die and raise all things to life. That's what he says. He says in the last verse. He says the one who was raised is the guarantee and the sign that all will be raised. And see, this is what has happened, and this is what is offered to humanity, to you, to me, to my family members, to this city, while we are reaching out for other gods. God made himself close. Jesus came into this world. And while we were decaying as humanity without any meaning at all, with self-made images and self-created burdens, Jesus died. He died for the decay, the bondage, uh, the sin. He died as a ransom that all who would believe out of, would be called and brought out of death and raised into abundant life. And that when, when, he's, when Paul is like, Jesus rose from the dead, he, he's the guarantee that all might be raised out of this broken, shattered pieces of a humanity into a completely new one that isn't far from God or trying to reach out to God, but knows God themselves. A life... Uh, of intentionality, of created intentionality, intentionally is saved and restored by Jesus. A life being in His image is saved and restored by Jesus. The whole New Testament is talking about how we're now, uh, you know, made new. We're now a, a new creation, a, a saved people. Uh, we were once like nobody, and now we're the children of God, making us His image yet again. A life. Overflowing with meaning, Uh, the meaning and the purpose to to be transformed from one degree of the next to the glory of Christ. Uh, A life with power uh, through the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that we've been given every spiritual blessing. Just a little homework assignment. You can read Ephesians 1 and 2 if you want later today and just see it as the restored uh, Genesis chapter one. Like that's what's happening there. You'll see the same words over and over again. But the crux of it is that we've now been given every spiritual blessing, been brought into becoming children of the living God. And at the very end of it all, after being raised by God's grace and love, we are his masterpiece. Created once more to walk in the purpose that he laid out for all of us. And he's given you all of that. Why? So that you might reach out and know him and be raised to life. Humanity in the Bible is an amazing thing. A thing worth God surrendering and dying and raising again to be brought back. Uh, Humanity is an amazing thing, that God crafts an entire story, uh, lives with a a specific people that we might know his character and his truth, not disregarded, not tossed to the side. And so for you, I just ask of you, uh, if you do not believe like the people of Athens, believe on the guarantee of the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ, bringing you into a new humanity. And if you've believed like hundreds of times and if you're even like, I have my own thoughts on Genesis 1 and, you know, why didn't he talk about this or that? I ask you to, to ponder the fact that you were made by God to reach out and to know him. That every, every fiber of your existence was made by a loving God that he might know you and that you might know him and to just rejoice in the fact that Christ, who we celebrate in the bread and the wine, is the one who did everything that you might rejoice with him forever. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you uh, for the understatement of a century, the immense work that you did to make us new, to, to, to restore what was broken. God, I thank you for the intention and the design in each of us. That from the beginnings of this world, you looked at humanity and you said, very good in the world. And that even when we sin and we broke and we ran away from you, you said, I'm going to restore them to very good in this world yet again. So God, I pray for us to be a people and a church uh, and a community that lives out uh, the restored humanity, Uh, that we wouldn't be like the people of Egypt that keep returning to grumbling and golden calves uh, and former masters. Let us be alive and at rest uh, in the way that you created us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.